It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. One of the ideas we hear a lot about in personal development or building a successful life is to identify what you want and make plans to have that happen. And this is certainly true. But what people often do not think about is that you also need to figure out what you don't want to do. What are you unwilling to tolerate any longer? Who are you unwilling to be around anymore? And most importantly, why not? If you draw your line on the sand and say no more, that will cut off a lot of options that don't serve you at all. And it also allows you to focus on the things that will serve you instead. This might mean disappointing a few people. So what? It's your journey, not theirs. I resolved a long time ago that I am not required to explain my journey to someone who will never understand it. It's an absolutely fruitless exercise. So just remember this. Resolve today to identify what you are no longer willing to tolerate. Draw your line in the sand. You will feel more peaceful, more powerful, and more productive, and you will be so glad you did. And before I forget, if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. It's the first of three, and it came out a month ago. Volume 2 should be coming out in the next few weeks. And if you've been in business for yourself for any length of time, you know there are ups and downs. If you're a beginner, if you're a veteran, this is a book that you will really love. Again, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. It's on Amazon. The Kindle's 99 cents. The paperback's $14.99. Can't even shake a stick at that. Go get that today. You'll be so glad you did. So I want to introduce my very special guest, and his name is Chris Miles. Let me tell you about him. He is a cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor, and he's a leading authority teaching entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author. He's the host of the Money Rebels podcast, and he's been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Bigger Pockets, and has a proven reputation within his company, Money Ripples to get his clients fast financial results. In fact, his personal clients have increased their cash flow by $300 million in the last 12 years. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel. So here we are with my very special guest, Chris Miles. Chris, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Totally excited to be here today. Yeah, I'm really glad to have you here. It's been a long time coming. We've been connected for a very long time, and I'm glad that we were finally able to work this out. So here's the question that I usually ask first. Did you envision early in your life that you would be where you are right now? Not exactly. I mean, as a kid, of course, you know, you always, you always think, you know, what things are. I mean, you know, like growing up in, you know, in the eighties and such, I remember watching TV shows like Mr. Belvedere or mm -hmm. Benson, you know, those kind of shows or who's the boss even, right. And you think people that have a lot of money have live in nannies or live in housekeepers and butlers and people like that. If they have a million dollars and, you know, I, I knew that, as a kid, at least that I wanted my life to be different, uh, but I didn't know what exactly that looked like. Mm -hmm. I can certainly understand that. So tell us about your path because you're now a financial expert. Were you always in this industry? Tell us about how this evolved for you. 
definitely not. I mean, I was, I was very introverted, just quiet, shy kid, you know, bookworm type of kid, right? Good at math, but hated math, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and I was raised by good parents. You know, I grew up out in Oregon and, uh, you know, my parents taught me good values, but the one thing that they really didn't understand was money. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my dad was like the ultra saver. I mean, he would make Dave Ramsey, you know, he'd be like Dave Ramsey's older brother that Dave Ramsey learned from. Right. I mean, my dad was depression era mentality. He was raised that way. He, he was born right during world war two. And so for him, everything he taught me about money was really just spend nothing, save everything. And that was it. That was all I was taught. Nothing about investing really other than just save everything you've got because kid, good luck. Um, I'm not gonna be able to pay for your college. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're on your own when you're 18, you're out of this house and you're gonna have to figure out what to do with your life. And so I was kind of prepared for that for a long time because as good as they were, money was definitely not the thing that he taught in abundance, right? It was, it was mm-hmm. always a thing of scarcity. There was never enough money. We can't afford it for things I would hear, right? I would hear things such as, Hey, what do you think I am made of money? Money doesn't grow in trees, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, the worst thing would be is, you know what? I think I'm going to die working. Cause I'm going to work mm. until I'm dead. That was his, his outlook on life. And mm-hmm. I remember he would say these things at the dinner table. And I thought, I thought, you know what, like most kids, I'm not going to become like my parents. I'm going to do something different. So I did, you know, as I went to college, I was the first one in my family to go to college, but then right before I got my bachelor's, I dropped out. I said, you know, let me take a little sabbatical. I want to learn how to be an entrepreneur because uh, my whole goal was to become a business consultant I thought, well, if I'm going to be a business consultant, should I have real life business experience before just trying to tell people what to do in their businesses? Mm-hmm. So I, I dropped out with just a temporary sabbatical. I uh, became an entrepreneur and I wondered what the heck I was going to do. And the first opportunity that came along that intrigued me a little bit was being a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time that, you know, they take anybody with a heartbeat. You know, if you could pass the test with at least 70 percent, you're in. So, um, I didn't know it was that easy. I thought I had to be special because I didn't have a lot of financial background. I was mostly, you know, a sociology major with a triple minor in psychology, ballroom Mm. dancing, and Japanese. Mm. So I wasn't the stereotypical guy that just majored in economics or finance or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I ended up enjoying it. I actually stayed dropped out, stayed on that path for several years. And while I was doing that, of course, it got to the point where the tables were turned, literally. Uh, My dad said, hey, I want you to come out, you know, in the holiday and uh, sit down with me and see what you can do about my money situation. Nice. So I sat down with him, right? And uh, and I sat down with him. I looked at his financial situation. He was he said, "Chris, all right, I'm 61 years old. I'd like to retire at some point. What do you see? What can what else can I do?" And as I'm looking at everything, he's I mean, he he'd done the same thing I told you about. He was the cheap son of a gun. Mm-hmm. He saved as much as he could in his 401k's. He paid off his house early. Very proud of that. Although he was debt-free and had been saving his 401ks, I had to break the news and say, Dad, well, if it weren't for Social Security, you better hope you die in five years because mm. that's how much money you have left to live on. Even wow. though he did everything right, that was his, his reality. And it, it really was a, a punch in the gut. He said, well, Chris, well, what, sh- what else can I do? And I was like, I don't know. Um, I mean, you're pretty much doing everything I teach as a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, – and it was a wake-up call because as I looked at his situation, realizing, wait, he did everything right. He's not financially free. I looked at other clients, even ones I inherited after decades of financial advice, they weren't financially free either. Even worse yet, I looked at myself as well as everybody else in my office that were financial advisors, and none of us were financially free either. 
And there was this big moment of, well, crap, what do I do now? My, my pocketbook is tied to teaching people that somehow this is truth. This gives people hope. But even before the, I met with them, I, I realized that if I put in real numbers, like actually put in inflation, if I put in real stock market returns, not the ones everybody tells you like 10 or 12%, which is bogus. Right. I started putting in real numbers. There was no hope. Right. And, and I was left with this decision. Do I stay with my, do I ignore the truth and just keep my blinders on and keep doing what I'm doing? Or do I quit? And so I quit. <laughs> I vowed never to teach about money again. And, but I, I knew that I had to do something different for myself because, I, again, I was on the same path that I vowed not to be on my dad's path, but I was on the same one myself. I was being the cheap son of a gun, not you know turning up the AC during the summertime or turning on the heat in the winter just so I could save a couple bucks, you know, trying to save whatever I could so that hopefully I could retire by 40, which yeah. was you know bogus. And mm-hmm. so yeah. – at that moment, uh, that's when I started to seek out. You know, it's parents like when teachers ready or students ready, the teacher appears. And mm-hmm. I remember there was a, a friend of mine who was in the real estate investing business. He started doing that with his dad. And I called him up just to see how he's doing. And he mm-hmm. said, Chris, our life is awesome right now. My dad's doubled his income as a professor at the local university. Nice. I said, Doug, his name was Doug. I said, Doug, that's ridiculous. There's no way in four months that he could be doubling his income. That's too good to be true, quote mm-hmm. unquote. He right. said, Chris, we're doing it, so uh, you can believe me or not, but uh, your stocks definitely haven't been working, have they? And he even confronted me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are financially free? None. Yeah. Not even the retired ones are really financially free. Wow. Well, how about this, Chris? How many of you guys are financially free? Not off the commissions because he was in that industry at one point. He's like, I know you guys. You guys can only retire off the commissions. What about the actual investments you've been telling people to get into? Mm. And I said, well, none. I don't know any of those guys that can retire off their own investments because there's guys been working there since the late 1970s and they're wow. still working their tails off. He said, wow. Chris, then there's got to be a better way. And that's, Absolutely. that's what got me down that path. Absolutely. Uh, we've got probably about two, three minutes to our break. So how did you decide to be an entrepreneur and not want to work with anybody else anymore? Was it this story you decided you wanted to break away? Well, this, I mean, I was already an entrepreneur as a financial advisor. They made, they made me a hundred percent commission only. So, I mean, okay. I, I got, I, I got entrepreneurship, the hard, the hard lesson, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no, no paycheck, no guarantee of any sort. It wasn't like I was being fed anything. Um, mm-hmm. I had to really generate business from nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I get that. So for someone out there who's contemplating entrepreneurship, how do you know when you're ready? You know, there's a few things you should do that I didn't do. <laughs> you know, first and foremost, make sure you are ready. Uh, I think I think it's great if you're working a job on the side and doing this on the side. I think doing it as mm-hmm. a side hustle is great. I had to do the same thing because I didn't have that paycheck and I had a young family. You know, I was starting to have my wife was at home with with young babies, things like that. So I was the sole income provider. Mm-hmm. I had to keep working a full time job while I was also building up this business on the side, and and it was hard because I mean I was working from sometimes seven or 8 a.m. till 9, 10 p.m. some of those Absolutely. days, right? And yeah. it's not an easy life to do, but I definitely recommend doing that and doing that well above and beyond you replacing your income. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake I made is that I actually made the full-time leap yeah. when I was at a point where I said, wait a minute, with the business I have in the pipeline here, none of it. Yeah. But with the business I have, I could actually, I could, you know, I could do this. Absolutely. So, We've got... Uh, we got less than a minute uh, to the break. I want to ask you, what do you think is your big why? What gets you going in the in the morning? The big why is really this. 
is that now, now I'm financially free. I don't even have to work anymore. The big why for me is really that impact. How can I bless more lives? Because obviously if I'm at a point where I'm able to be financially free, I can just be quiet and happy and do my own thing. But, you know, taking care of your family, I think is one of the most selfish things you can do if that's all you care about. I think the best thing you can do is figure out how to use your God-given gifts to bless more lives. And, and that's really what I'm all about right now. Fantastic. We're up against our break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where every spring we seem to get pummeled with hailstorms. What's another name for a thunderstorm? A cockeyed bob. The Guinness Book of World Records states the largest known hailstone in U.S. history was over 7 inches in diameter. That's almost the size of a soccer ball. The famous hailstone was found in central Nebraska in June 2003. But if we think the hail's bad here in Texas, I guess it's better than living in parts of Africa, where they average 130 days of hailstorms each year. Other hail-prone areas include India, Russia, China, and Italy. The Aussies call hailstones drift ice, glazed frost, pancake ice, and frost flowers. I wonder how they measured hail before the invention of the golf ball. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Chris Miles, and we're talking about financial freedom and creating wealth this week. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do that. Leave a review. That would mean a lot. And if you have Alexa, Siri, or a Google device and you ask that device to play success profiles radio you will get the most recent episode and tonight that will be this episode so you can hear it back if you like how cool is that but download and subscribe to success profiles radio i'd really appreciate it if you do that so chris here we are and here's a question that i've been asking a lot lately of my guests and i i love the answers i get so i will ask you what do you believe is the most expensive mistake you have ever made <laughs> uh, you know i've made a lot of them i would say the number one mistake would be not listening to my gut, not listening to my intuition. I, mm. if, you know, cause like, for example, I mean, after, you know, after I quit being a financial advisor, I mean, I, in my gut, I knew that was the right thing to do, 
And, uh, and I actually got to the point where I was financially free. You know, I was 28 years old, uh, financially free. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But that being said, the, the one issue is that this is right before the whole Great Recession started. Mm-hmm. I started to get overly confident. I started to ignore the very principles that got me to be financially free in the first place. So I started to gamble a little bit more with my money. For example, I was doing real estate, but instead of just going, focusing on cash flow, Instead, mm-hmm. I was focusing on how do I make a, even a bigger buck? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I make money on the appreciation? Kind of like what people have been trying to do the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Where you can make mistakes with cash flow, you know, where you don't have to have the income coming in if you know you're making enough from all the appreciation happening. Well, I was doing the same thing. Well, between that and then launching a brand new business where we were focused on one tiny little niche market and uh, and not focusing on my own pass, you know, my own cash flow, my own passive income, and really managing my numbers well. Uh, the thing is, I knew something was wrong in the back of my head. I could feel it in my gut that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, you know what? Doesn't matter. I'm awesome. I'm I'm yeah. you know I'm amazing at what I'm doing here. Like you know nothing could go wrong. And so I was ignoring those little whispers saying, hey, caution. Here's a little yellow light you got to look for. And when I ignored that voice, that's exactly when everything started falling apart to mm. the point where I was in the whole 16,000 a month between my wow. business and my personal. Uh, I was, I was a, went a, to a place where I went from millionaire to upside down millionaire, where I was wow. over a million dollars in debt eventually because I was in that hole and that rut for so long. And of course, with some of the real estate that I had and everything else, that starts depreciating. And the next thing you know, I'm upside down. Oh, and That was a horrible place to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because- you know, I'm the guy supposed to have it all figured out. And look, look at me. Now I'm the guy that's back in the rat race after I got out of the rat race in the first place. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's absolutely crazy. What did you do to get out of it? You know, uh, besides getting to the point of a little bit more humility, obviously that was a big thing. Uh, I I had to get to a place where pretty much to the point where I, I knew I was focused on principles again. And so when I talk about principles, there's a difference between principles and strategies. All those mm-hmm. people will interchange them. Principles are things that work always, no matter the markets, no matter the situation, no matter what, they always work. They're timeless. They're eternal. Where strategies can change depending on circumstances and, and times and situations. Well, I was trying to focus on strategies first beforehand, right? Where that's what was getting me deeper and deeper in trouble. I went for principles. So like, for example, a really good business principle that had worked for me initially and I started focusing on again was that dollars follow value. Like if I want more money, stop asking, how do I make more money? I knew that was a bad question after I got financially independent the first time because the real secret to having more money is not just focusing on the money. The real Mm -hmm. secret is focusing what enables people to want to pay you money, which is you got to create something that's more valuable to them than the dollars that are in their pocket. Yes. And when I started to focus on what do people want and during the the great recession, it was great because people were complaining a lot. For example, people would come to me and they would say, Chris, you know what? I know what you have to teach me is great. I would love to pay you, but I I don't have any extra money right now because the recession has been hurting me. Now, I was looking at their situation. I wouldn't say this verbally out loud, but I mm-hmm. would say in my head, I would say, well, my situation is way worse than this person's. I mm-hmm. guarantee I can find the money. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so I started telling people, I said, well, if I can find the cash for you, would you pay me? They mm-hmm. said, well, of course, that's a no brainer. I mm-hmm. said, great. Like here, do this and this and this. And I started teaching them some of the strategies 
to be creative and resourceful like I was already having to do in my own situation because I, I avoided bankruptcy, barely. Wow. Um, but I had to get really creative. So I would mm-hmm. use those same strategies with them, and they'd say, well, this is awesome. And so I stopped teaching people how to get out of the rat race because I was in it myself, and that would be out of integrity to teach that. So mm-hmm. instead, I started teaching people how to get resourceful, how to find money, how mm-hmm. to find cash flow. Mm-hmm. And when I started to do that, as I started to practice it and make it more and more of a uh, system, the next thing I know, the right relationship started showing up. And we went from the business I had started with another partner, we went from almost bankrupt there about 2009 to all of a sudden 2010 doing over $5 million of business. Wow. And things just exploded all because I focused on what can I do to create value here? How can I solve problems, serve people in a way that money is just a natural byproduct? Mm-hmm. When you do that, money really becomes demystified. It becomes yeah. much easier and simpler to do. Wow, that's wonderful. So why do you think some people are wealthy and others aren't? Is it because they put strategies first and not principles? You know, that's a great question. It depends on the person. Some people can have be in the right business mm-hmm. and have the right circumstances, and I believe they could still ignore principles or not really understand them consciously, mm-hmm. yet still subconsciously be, be working them. For example, I remember I had a brother-in-law that he came from a very wealthy family here in the state of Utah. And, and I asked him, I said, well, what principles do you follow? Like, what are you talking about, Chris? What, what principles? I'm like, you know, principles. I have no clue what you're talking about, Chris. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, things that you use to be successful in your business. Chris, I'm a great salesman. I have no clue what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So for him, now he did understand some of those principles. He knew about creating the win-win for people, right? He knew mm-hmm. that subconsciously because he was taught that. But he was a good salesperson. Mm-hmm. I've even seen that in the real estate game. I've seen people in the real estate business that make millions of dollars, yet can they keep it long term? That is the real question. That's where they mm-hmm. have to transcend to learning about these principles because if they don't, they're all strategy based. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden conditions change and all of a sudden their strategies don't work, they're stuck. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to pivot and make it work. Yeah. yeah. So I believe that people that create real long term wealth. Those people absolutely do understand principles. Unfortunately, most people don't pick up on those principles. They want to learn strategies, especially yeah. people that are impatient. New mm-hmm. entrepreneurs especially are so hungry for someone yeah. just to tell them how to do this. What do I need to do? What strategy should I do that's like that secret key, that, that secret that will get me wealthy and make me rich? Mm-hmm. The truth is they're all in principles, but they yeah. seem boring to the average entrepreneur. Yeah. Do you think people sometimes have a fear of getting rich? Absolutely. Uh, right now it's easier than ever to get rich Mm. at the same time. It's also more hated upon to be rich, right? I mean, back in the eighties and seventies and eighties, you know, back when the the hippies, the yippies and the yuppies, right. When the baby boomers were coming of age, I mean, we we had guys like wrestlers, like Ric Flair, you know, if you ever seen Ric Flair story, he was like the epitome of the yuppies. You know, Mm -hmm. he was, he was showing off his wealth and everything. And people said, I want that. Nowadays Mm -hmm. you're villainized for having money. Nowadays, even if you're the biggest philanthropist in the world, you're somehow taking away from the scarcity of somebody else, right? You're robbing somebody. It's the whole bourgeoisie and proletariat, you know, socialism, Marxism type of crap that people are teaching right now Mm -hmm. that they think, oh, like these rich people are destroying our lives. But in truth, I mean, being rich actually is evidence that you've served people. Right. And, and people just don't get that. They think it's through luck or deception that people become yeah. rich, and that's why they never become rich. Yeah. People become rich when they understand those principles are. It's not about deceiving right. or lying, although there are people who have done that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last in those kind of yeah. conditions. 
It's yeah. always about how do I serve people and give people what they right. want or need. Yeah. It's people with money that build hospitals and roads yeah. and infrastructure and schools. It's not the people who are broke that are doing that. It's the people that have the wherewithal to to help. Yeah. Just before this interview, my wife was watching a, a video about this couple that had this really nice home, you know, four point whatever million dollar home. Mm -hmm. They live in a town of 20,000 people where like the CEO of, of Priceline was there and people like that in their neighborhood. And all the comments were people hating on them saying, oh, all these poor people that don't have money because of them. And mm -hmm. my wife actually put a comment on there saying, yeah, and those poor people got so many jobs keeping up with that landscaping and all the the updates and things they did to that house and not to mention whoever else they pay or hire to do with that money, they mm -hmm. are generating jobs. How dare they? <laughs> right. But the exactly. average person doesn't think that far. They don't realize that wealthy people actually are the ones that create jobs. Yeah. The very people they villainize are the very people that are giving them jobs. Otherwise right. we'd all be self-employed and you'd all think, Oh, well, I just have to screw somebody else to get lucky. Well, if that's the way you think, you're the last person I want to do business with. Cause if you think you have to deceive or lie to people to make mm -hmm. money, mm -hmm. you are the very person that if you were a business owner, I would never do business with cause that's what you're going to do to me. Right. Exactly. So we've got maybe three minutes or so to our next break. How does someone develop a mindset for wealth? You know, here's the best way to do it is listen to shows like this, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you have successful people come on the show. This is something that worked great for me is that whenever, even when I was going through my hardest times, Instead of filling my head with voices of people that were the naysayers, mm -hmm. I would fill my head with voices of people that I wanted to emulate, people that were successful more than just financially, right? Mm -hmm. People that were successful in life. Mm -hmm. I would be reading ebooks. I would be listening to podcasts, you know, back when it was harder to listen to podcasts than it is today. Now it's so easy to consume yeah. on this content. Mm -hmm. um, audiobooks, right? I would listen to so many audiobooks of different authors and people like that, filling their voices in my head understanding how they think. I don't care about the strategy. I care more about how they see the world and how they think, because yeah. if I can get to that space, then I can figure out the strategy on my own. Mm -hmm. That's the secret to finding out those key strategies is really getting into those people's heads mm -hmm. and then adopting that to where it becomes a part of you. You internalize it deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've got a little over a minute to our break. I want to ask you a question that probably doesn't have a short answer, but a short answer would be really greatly appreciated. What is your philosophy yeah. of debt? Because a lot of people think debt is bad. You know, that's true. Um, debt is neither good nor bad, is my opinion. Uh, debt is neither good nor evil. It's, it depends on how you use debt. Mm -hmm. um, I believe in stewardship. I believe mm -hmm. that we're all blessed to a stewardship. I believe we're actually, we're all um, born with nothing. We leave the world with nothing. Therefore, everything we have, everything, money, and any possession that we have while we're alive is debt. Mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> we're actually indebted. It's not ours to begin with. We're borrowing everything while we're on this planet. Mm -hmm. um, so, but debt can be bad in the hands of a spender. Spenders yeah. blow debt. We know that's bad. Also in the hands of a saver, yeah. debt is bad because savers freak out. They can only save and they and debt just stress them out. The Absolutely. real key, and we can talk about this after the break, is how to be a steward. Having a stewardship mindset is what's mm -hmm. key for being able to use debt wisely. Fantastic. We're coming up against our break. And this is Chris Miles. We are with Success Profiles Radio and we're talking about building wealth. We'll be right back.
mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And if you have not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, the latest issue just came out a week ago. I'd love for you to pick that up and and subscribe at successprofilesmagazine.com. It's a digital magazine. You can uh, subscribe for seven days for a dollar, and then you can subscribe monthly, annually, or once forever. And when you see what your options are, you'll agree that it's it's a no-brainer. So successprofilesmagazine.com, you can read any issue that we've done dating all the way back to December 2017. You can read one issue every single day, and it would take you over a year to finish everything on that site. So how about that? One one issue a week, you have content for an entire year. So here we are with Chris Miles. We're talking about building generational wealth. We talked about philosophical kinds of questions early in the show. Now let's talk about some tactical stuff, because I think that's the stuff that people really, really want to know. So let's just say, for example, someone has equity in their home, That money is lazy. It's not working. It's not doing anything. How can we activate that money and get it working for us? Well, the first thing is like I talk about that whole steward mentality, right? Yes. You got to take the best of the spender and the saver mentalities and put them in one. So you Mm got to understand money is meant to be used. But Mm -hmm. two, you need to be wise with how you use money, you know, because at least spenders are willing to use money. They're just not wise with it. Savers are wanting to be wise, but they often just let it sit there. Kind of like what you're talking about here with equity, creating lazy equity. Um, if you notice, if you're the saver, you often keep your money in prison. You keep mm. your money locked up in IRAs and 401ks where you can't touch it without getting penalized, get your hand slapped. But in home equity, you get your hand slapped. You know, At least mentally, you get your hand slapped because you fear ever touching that equity because that's a big no-no. Mm-hmm. And who taught you that? Banks, financial mm-hmm. experts who also work for those banks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really who's teaching you. I, even, I was a mortgage broker, and I even taught that, like, hey – you got to pay off that mortgage early just to stick it back to the bank. All the meanwhile, the bank is just laughing, rolling in their money, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you've got lazy equity, first and foremost, you got to learn to be okay with that, to be a wise steward if you're going to use it. So you got to know what you're going to be doing with that money first. Mm-hmm. I never recommend people just pull out money for the sake of pulling out money. Right. you got to know what to do. And when I look at pulling money out, 
there's got to be a few reasons. There's a few reasons I think it be it could be good. Uh, one is if you're a business owner and you're going to put it in something like invest it in your business, so to speak, where you know you can generate a good return off that money, specifically enough return to make the payment, if not more than that, mm-hmm. then I would say that's a good use. Uh, to me, it's always about can I make the payment with whatever I'm investing in? Yeah. So if I borrow $100,000 and say that that costs me $500 a month, I better hope I make at least $500 a month off that money, right? If I can't do that, then it's not worth taking out usually. Yeah. Um, with me, I like to invest in things like real estate. I mean, I can invest in business, but usually it's investing in things like real estate. In fact, I'll even buy, if somebody ever tells me, oh, I have such a hard time tapping into my equity. Well, I say, well, why don't you just take that equity from your house and put it into other houses where you mm-hmm. have a secured asset, it's there. Mm-hmm. By the way, the banks don't worry about it. They're actually willing to lend you money to be able mm-hmm. to buy a house. Why aren't you willing to lend yourself money by borrowing from that equity to put it to work for you so that it generates yeah. more? Yeah. Here's the you're, key. Yeah. Most you're people, playing. when they try to do that, don't usually make more money because the, especially if they're on the western half of the United States, they're not making good cash flow on their properties. Uh, even yeah. Florida is having a tough time nowadays. Two right. years ago, it was great. Yeah. Um, now you're pockets that are better, though. Yeah. Now you're, you're just playing real life Monopoly. If you've ever played the game Monopoly, yeah. that's really the main thing game. You buy a property, put houses on it, exchange it for a hotel. You can make a lot more money doing that. So, yeah. And you get to charge people rent when they land on your space. Why not yep. do that in real life? Exactly. It's no different, really. I mean, it's I mean, the difference is this. You don't, the other players don't have to lose like in Monopoly. You don't have to bankrupt other people to win. This right. is not a win lose scenario. This is actually creating a win win, you know, mm-hmm. Because what you're doing is you're providing right now, one of the biggest things happening in the media is people can't afford homes. Mm-hmm. What better way to be able to buy a house that you can afford mm-hmm. to be able to get somebody else that they can rent? Because for whatever reason, they can't either afford to put the down payment on a the property. They don't have enough credit yet or whatever it might be. You're providing a service. You're actually creating value for those people. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's 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 a it's the way that society should be in mm-hmm. that you're solving a need for somebody else. Absolutely. So what are some ways that we can create generational wealth? Real estate certainly is one of those things. And we've already talked about that. What else could you recommend? You know, anything that really allows you to create more leverage or more ingenuity of any way, shape or form. Uh, There's really two types of ways to create income, right? Mm -hmm. There's active income that you can create from your own business, from your own job, you know, whatever you're doing, you create income and that's great. That's your economic engine. That's where you should make money. Um, there is another type of income, residual income we could talk about too, which is creating a somewhat semi-passive type streams within your business, if you have a business. Uh, but then there's passive income, you know, where you can actually get your money to pay you for the use of that money. And uh, so that's really the way to do it. You've got to really buy, in this day and age, real assets. You know, when I say real assets, I don't mean the things that are like zeros and ones. I'm not talking about like, you know, digital currencies, even though I have some of that. I'm not mm-hmm. even talking about buying stocks and bonds, even though I used to buy stocks and bonds or mutual funds. Now I don't. I buy the things that banks are willing to give money for, which are mm-hmm. primarily business and real estate based type of investments. When you go mm-hmm. outside of those regions, it doesn't really work. I, if mm-hmm. you look at the, we really look at evidence. I like looking at evidence, right? Uh, I remember researching recently how many millionaires there were in the United States. There's mm-hmm. approximately about 25 million millionaires right now. Um, So about 3% of the, not even 3%, about 8% of the country, right? Mm. Of those, the one thing they all have in common is they all at least 
own one property, if not multiple properties. Yeah, mm. You should have real estate as part of your portfolio. It doesn't have to be the main thing, but it should be part of your portfolio. Another thing that's in common, if you look at the Forbes list, if you start looking at billionaires, the one thing they all have in common is they have a business, right? I mean, you, you mm. won't, even someone who might be considered an investor, quote unquote, maybe they, they seem like they invest in oil. The truth is they have an oil business typically. Even mm. Warren Buffett, people say, oh, he buys, buys stocks. Nope. He buys and invests in companies. He buys a controlling interest in it so that right. he has the ability to manipulate the returns. They have some input to ensure that he can control and keep his investments safe. Mm -hmm. That's not playing the stock market. Uh, Buffett no. was never a stock investor. He's yeah. always been a value business investor. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between buying an oil stock and buying the company that digs for the oil. That's right, which is what Buffett's doing right now. Absolutely. So let's talk about multiple streams of income, residual. We've talked about passive income, real estate. That's money that comes to you every month just yep. because someone's living in your home. But let's talk about some residual streams. I mean, sponsorships for your business, um, affiliate opportunities, joint ventures. These are things that people don't think a lot about. But tell us about that. You know, that's a great point because I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> as a, I remember as a young entrepreneur, especially when I was a financial advisor, I was probably trying to be the do-it-yourselfer. I was trying mm -hmm. to be the guy that was trying to create multiple streams of income that I actively did myself. Mm -hmm. I was trying to be the jack of all trades, but expert at none. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was amazing how liberating it was when one of my friends who was a millionaire, he was asking me, he said, Chris, if money were no issue, what would you spend your time doing? Mm. And I thought about it. I said, well, I would travel more. He's like, Chris, you, you would spend 52 weeks a year traveling, really? No, I wouldn't spend 52 weeks a year. It's like, okay, Chris, now that we're honest, what mm -hmm. would you spend the other 45 weeks of the year doing? He yeah. said, like, for example, right now, like you quit being a financial advisor, but you're still a mortgage broker. Would mm -hmm. you keep doing that? And I said, well, I don't know if I would. I said, I love teaching about it, but I hate doing, dealing with paperwork and all the underwriting that's behind it. Mm -hmm. He said, Chris, why don't you find somebody who does like doing that? I said, there's people that actually like to do paperwork. He said, Chris, I guarantee there are. There are. I went to my broker that, that same day. I said, hey, is there somebody that fits this profile? And they said, yes, absolutely. That's Clark. Talk to Clark. Not Clark Kent. He's not Superman, but mm -hmm. you know, much nerdier version of Clark Kent, if you can imagine. And uh, I went to Clark. I said, Clark, would you pay me 50% on every deal? If I gave them to you, you don't have to sell them, but you just have to do all the, all the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said, yes, absolutely. Because his biggest fear was having to find new clients. But mm -hmm. I was like, well, I have people coming to me asking for questions. Let me teach them and then pass along to you. And it became this amazing partnership where I spent a couple hours a week, you know, not even a couple hours a week, really, really like maybe a half an hour to an hour with a single client. And then about a month later, I'm going to check for a thousand, two thousand dollars from that deal closing. Mm. And I thought, my goodness, that was so easy. Mm -hmm. and, and because I was a natural connector, affiliate type relationships, that's what that eventually got called, right? Mm -hmm. But really, I was just being a referral partner. I was referring to jewelry companies, for example, a mm -hmm. wholesale jeweler that I knew would be a third of the cost of the, any normal jeweler you go to in the mall. Mm -hmm. I would refer my friends there. I'd say, go to them. They'll save you way more money. And then that company would send me a check for 5 or 10%. Yeah. And I started doing that. And uh, even one of my friends called me Mr. Hookups because of that. Because he's like, man, it seems like you know everybody. Like they said, mm. who do you know that does blank? I had an answer. And I was able to generate enough income just from that alone that I didn't even need investment income to retire. 
I could have worked literally a four hour work week before Tim wrote the book. Mm-hmm. You know, I could work that kind of work week just by being a good partner referrer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We've got about three minutes or so to our final break. So I want to ask a question that's been burning on my mind and maybe a few other people would like to hear this question to answered but the end of the year is is still a few months away but let's just say we have money to deploy or we're expecting a windfall before the end of the year but Mm. we really don't want to pay the taxes what can we do to legally shield our money away from taxes well if you have a business that could be one of the best ways to do it if you don't have a business which i have a lot of clients that aren't i'd say about two-thirds of our clients are non-business owners while the other third are and this is a common question people get Biggest thing you can do is one of a few strategies. Uh, one is there are some investments that might give you a good write-off. For example, um, in the oil and gas industry, if you have a working capital type investment, a working interest type of oil wells, even if it's multiple wells, so you're protected a little bit more, um, a lot of times you can write off sometimes almost up to 100% of the money you're putting in, usually at least 80% of whatever you put in. So if you're have $100,000 you get as a windfall, you invest in that, you're writing off 80,000 bucks, therefore minimizing the taxes you're paying. Yeah. Uh, another way is a business interest. I just did a business interest with, and this is kind of, again, completely passive for me. I did a business interest where I went and partnered up with some guys. They charged me 100 grand up front. The rest of my money, the other 100 grand, I have them investing in buying raw land. Well, that raw land now is paying me about $5,000 a month. So even though it was 200,000 initially, I get a $100,000 write off of my taxes and now I'm making $5,000 a month. Yeah. Um another one that would that it's uh that I also have had people do too is uh franchises or other business opportunities. Um the crazy thing is even if you have an IRA, many people don't realize that even if you have IRA money and that's where a lot of people say, "Well, I want to get it out, but how do I use it to actually create income?" You can use IRA money to actually finance an actual like franchise. It's a little bit tougher to do on your own business. There are some ways around it, uh, but you can actually use that for a business because the great thing is, is let's say you have a hundred thousand IRA, you just cash it out. Well, now you're going to have this hundred thousand dollars income show up in your tax return. Mm-hmm. But if that hundred thousand again is being used as a business expense to start up a new business or whatever it is you're doing, ta-da, you just cancel out those expenses because you got a business write-off of that same hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And that's how people are able to do it. Um, and there's even other tax strategies I mentioned, like one that's not, it's not quite great this year, but it could be in the future would be one called uh, conservation easements or free great. simple type stuff where you can get multiple uh, write off, like multiple times the amount that you donate. So there's a lot of things you do with donations and whatnot. Great. And we're at our break. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. 
you heard about the squid that swallowed a bomb? In the shallow waters just off the coast of the Guangdong province in China, a fisherman caught a squid that was exhibiting quite a tenter belly or big stomach. Upon taking his catch to market, they cut into the bloated squid and discovered a live explosive device inside. This was no flapdoodle, but an actual bomb, probably dropped into the ocean by a fighter jet. Problem was, this bomb was fully functional, which meant it could detonate at any minute if handled wrong. Sounds to me like that squid was well armed in more ways than one. Fortunately, the police came and took the bomb and destroyed it before it could blow up on its own. If it had gone off, it could have turned that fish market into Squid Row. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and words you never heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Chris Miles. And we're talking about generating wealth for ourselves and the generations that follow us. And if you have not picked up my latest book, once again, that is uh, called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from Being an Entrepreneur, Volume 1. Get it on Amazon. I would appreciate it if you would get that. I think you'll get a lot out of it. So, Chris, here's a topic that I want to talk about. The term infinite banking has been thrown a lot Mm. out there. And the wealthiest families in the world do this. So tell us what it is and how we can do it, too. Yeah, infinite banking is really a fancy name for a supercharged tax-free savings account using life insurance. That's really what it is. Um, but it's not just using life insurance the traditional way. It's actually be able to use the living benefit, the cash value, not the death benefit, not the part where you die and then finally somebody gets paid. We're actually talking about the cash value part, which happens really with whole life or universal life. Uh, but for this infinite banking to really work, it's actually really whole life. It's really tied to that if you really want to get that what I call the double dip effect where you can get mm-hmm. paid in two places at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that's actually something you can only do with whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. So when we invest in that, you are borrowing against the cash value in that policy, right? That's right. So great. think of it like very much, at least the way I do it, right? I, there's a lot of people to talk about infinite banking out there. Even guys like Dave Ramsey rip on it left and right. And Rightfully so. Uh, most time when you hear infinite banking and the, when people teach it on there, they charge way higher excessive fees than they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our big promise that we do, because we actually design it in-house, is that we make sure that's the lowest cost, highest returning policy possible for that situation. So we do it a little bit differently versus like someone who says this is like a supplemental retirement account down the road. We want to be able to use this like this year or next year. We want to be able to use it right away, like it's a savings account, mm-hmm. specifically for something that you're trying to use. This could be used as a way to diversify your emergency fund, like your emergency savings as it sits around. I do that because I make more than point nothing percent in my bank when I use my life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we got about 200000 sitting in our life insurance earning like 5% mm-hmm. tax-free mm-hmm. versus 0.1% at my bank, right? So I'm already making thousands of dollars more just for that alone. Right. 
But here's the real magic behind it. Uh, everybody will say it's a death benefit. That's that's just insurance agents trying to sell you crap, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the real benefit is this. Whether you're a business owner, investor, it doesn't matter. Because what you can do is as you start to build up cash in here, if you have less costs coming out, you build up more cash in this tax-free savings account. This money is actually liquid. You can get to it at, at any time, especially if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Now, the cool thing with this is that you can actually get a line of credit against it. So just like where you get a home equity line of credit against the equity of your home, you can do the same thing against the savings account. The savings in there becomes the collateral and banks or insurance companies are willing to give you a line of credit, usually at a lower interest than what they're paying you. Mm. So for example, just to use easy math, say that you're being paid 5% on that life insurance, right? And that's Mm -hmm. not too far off from what you can make net if you do it right but you're making 5% a year tax-free on that money, but then you get a line of credit against it at 4%, that means you're actually making an extra 1% on top of using that money to either invest in your business, mm-hmm. invest in buying real estate, or whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. for example, a good, a, a pretty baseline real estate investment that we talk about in our, in our, with our consulting clients, you know, when we help them find like the right type of strategies for passive income, usually the baseline's 10% a year. Well, mm-hmm. if we put this strategy on top of it, it creates another additional 1% plus a year on top of it. So instead of getting paid 10% a year, they're usually making at least 11% plus. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a real life example. Um, mm-hmm. I was showing an example where someone was buying this a small apartment building for you know, putting a quarter million dollars down. Rather than using your checking or savings account to put that as the down payment, instead using the life insurance to do that. Because if you use your savings account to put as a down payment on that property, you just liquidated your account. Now your money's not earning anything in that account because, well, it's gone. It's not right. in there earning any interest, right? Right. With the life insurance, it's all still there. You're just getting a line of credit, borrowing, you know, getting a line of credit against it to then invest. And so when you invest in that kind of strategy, the funny thing is I showed that example, and you can see it on my YouTube channel with Infinite Banking there, um, that quarter million dollars over nine years if it were just in a savings account, if you were taking that cash flow and putting it back in, building it back up, you would only make $1,200 over nine years from your mm. savings account. Wow. But with the infinite banking policy, you make over $120,000 a year. You make 100 times more than the savings account just by using that strategy. Even with taking into account the interest you're paying to either the bank or the insurance company, mm-hmm. still you come out 100 times better in nine years. Yeah, And, and if you can imagine... Yeah. 129,000 is way, way better. And that gives you more money to invest mm-hmm. again to make more money. Yeah. Same so basically, different. yeah, basically you're being paid to borrow your own money instead of you having to pay to borrow your money. Exactly. I even show somebody with business, like if you're doing a marketing strategy and say that, you know, you invest 25,000 in a marketing strategy makes you 5,000 a month. Cause ideally if you use a marketing strategy, you make that money back within six months, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. If you use your savings account to, to or checking account to invest in that marketing, great. Ta-da, it's gone. You make nothing when that 5,000 a month comes back in from your marketing efforts. Yeah. If you use your life insurance to do the same thing, you just made an extra $1,000 on top of the 5,000 mm-hmm. a month you were just putting out there. Great. So how much money does someone need to get started doing this if they want to? I recommend anybody, if you're paycheck to paycheck, don't do it. If you're a smoker or you're in horrible health or you're over the age of 70, this doesn't really work. Um, but for those that if you're putting away, if you're trying to save up, whether it's for business or for investments, if you're trying to save up at least five or 10,000 a year, this could be a perfect strategy for you to employ. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And is it ever too late to start? I mean, what if someone has 10 years or less to a possible retirement? Uh, we do that all the time. In fact, uh, many of the designs we do are actually people are going to retire within the next five or 10 years. Um, it's it's great. Um, just because the way we design it, um, usually within seven years, you can stop paying into it forever. Um, unlike term insurance, where term insurance, you have to keep paying into it for as long as you're alive, and then it becomes too expensive anyways. Here with this, you can pay into it for a minimum of seven years, and it doesn't even have to be that much. And then you can stop paying, but there will still be a death benefit on you for the rest of your life. So there's, it's totally easy to do. In fact, term insurance, you'll start to realize term insurance is actually one of the biggest ripoffs ever, even mm -hmm. though it seems cheaper, it actually becomes mm -hmm. more expensive than using whole life if the whole life is designed the right way. Right. So infinite banking really means that you are being your own bank instead of going to a bank to borrow money. Just think of all the things you can do. You can buy a car with your infinite banking whole life insurance policy. You can buy real estate. You can pay for your child's education. You can take a vacation. You can do a lot of things. You can go to Vegas and blow it all and they won't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's your so, money. Yeah. So but, if you're put, oh, yeah. go, I was going to say, if you're putting together a financial plan, how do you decide what to do first? I mean, I would imagine buying assets that'll make you money first is a really good idea. You could do either. Yeah, I, I've done both. Mo most of the time, we usually do it in, in coordination together. Um, here's the key thing. There are a lot of people in doing the infinite banking that even talk to investors or business owners will say, dump all your cash in here. That is 100% crap. Don't follow that advice. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a good balance between them. Um, so you're right. They could be either or, or both. Um, mm -hmm. Some people, they, they're maybe just trying to build their cash. This could be a great way to build up that cash faster, right? Mm -hmm. um, I get some people, they might have maybe a few hundred thousand dollars or so to invest. We might actually say, let's invest a few hundred thousand and create maybe an extra 20,000 a year from that 200,000, right? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we spend 30,000 a year or something like that, you know, maybe a 30,000 a max per year. Mm -hmm. uh, just so you know, the way we design it, there's a maximum and a minimum. So the mm -hmm. maximum you could put in, you can always pay less, but you can never pay more. Mm -hmm. So if you set the maximum, say at $30,000 a year, usually the minimum is going to be somewhere around six or $7,000 a year. That's actually mm -hmm. required to put in. Okay. So we'll say, Hey, why don't we take, if you have 250,000, let's take 30,000 of that, start your policy. The other 220,000 invest that then you're making 22,000 a year anyways. Mm -hmm. And you know, you got enough more than enough to pay for your policy and then some. Absolutely. We've got maybe four minutes until the end. Talk a little bit about your podcast, Money Ripples. Yeah, uh, it's actually in our eighth season now. Super excited about it because it just keeps growing. Uh, the mm -hmm. podcast is really about how to live life today, right? How to work because you want to, not because you have to, by creating passive income, cash flow now, not waiting 30 or 40 years for that re someday of retirement if it ever comes. Mm -hmm. um, so we're really battling the traditional money mindset, the Wall Street mindset of, you know, saving everything, spending nothing, kind of like what happened to my dad. I mean, mm -hmm. really, that show is kind of inspired by situations just like my father's where, I mean, he's now almost 80 years old mm -hmm. trying to stretch out every dollar he can because what he did just wasn't enough. And, yeah. uh, and so we have, we're really on a crusade to stop people from saving these crappy financial plans of 401ks and IRAs mm -hmm. instead generating passive income now where you get to the point where you say, I can keep working because I love it, but not because mm -hmm. I need the money, but because I want to. And that's a Absolutely. beautiful place to be. Absolutely. What is the most influential book you've ever read? Oh my goodness. Um, I would have to say 
it's a toss up. <laughs> I mean, if we take the Bible out of it, cause obviously that's pretty amazing, right? Absolutely. Um, but I would, I would say, um, how to win friends and influence people mm-hmm. between that one or, uh, um, I'm just blanking out on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that's popping my head, I'm seeing the image, um, rich dad, poor dad. Thinking, uh, Think, well, Rich Shepard has a great one too. I, okay, we'll throw in three. Um, How to Win Friends Influence People by Dale Carnegie, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Um, the other one I think that just popped in my head was really a. Um, uh, it was Norman Vincent Peale. Um, someone oh, the Power of Positive Thinking. thinking. Yes, Power of Positive Thinking, I think it is. Wonderful. We got less than two minutes until the end. Here's a question I love to ask Who inspires and motivates you? You know, I would say my kids. Mm. I mean, they really do drive me. My wife drives me as well. I mean, they inspire and motivate me to, to not just be successful in my business, but be successful everywhere, right? And so, it, I mean, that drives me. It kind of motivates me. If I were to say, if I have any other people I listen to, like other podcasts and stuff, I mean, I, I listen to like Ed Milet, of course. I listen yeah. to Joel Osteen. Yeah. You know, I listen to a lot of different shows. But uh, the truth is, everybody, I learned some, a little something from everybody, but Oh, on a consistent daily basis, definitely my mm-hmm. family is the one that keeps me centered and humble. <laughs> Fantastic. And as we wind down, how can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Well, hey, if you didn't vibe already, then don't even try. But, right. Uh, if you did vibe with us, uh, definitely the Money Ripples podcast is great. Just go to moneyripples.com. We've got lots of great education on there, blogs, podcasts, you name it. Just check us out there or on YouTube under All Money right. Ripples. Thank you. Chris Miles, thank you for being here. It was awesome and amazing to have you here finally. Same here. All right. Thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday where I interview another world-class achiever and learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way. And until next week, take care, everyone. Have a good week. Goodbye. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.